and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she, they pronouns, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire, and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. And today we are starting a new series um, called Countdown to Kenobi. Pretty self-explanatory. The Kenobi show, it comes out very soon. Um, I mean, like in over a month, but that's still soon. And so every week we're going to go through Obi-Wan's life in chronological order. Let's hope. We know we're not very good at that, but we're going to try our very best. Um, and we're just going to kind of, you know, talk about that guy, um, and make sure we know everything going into this new show. And at the end of the series, we'll probably share all of our theories and scream a lot. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun time today. We're starting off with, uh, his very early life as a Padawan. So we'll be talking about the book Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, maybe some of Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston and uh, The Phantom Menace. Master and Apprentice is his first chronological uh, appearance in canon. Uh, And so he's 17 years old. He really is just a a teenage guy. He really is. Um, And he is uh, dealing with his master, Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, And they don't really get along at first, uh, which was news to everyone who started reading this book, because in The Phantom Menace, they seem pretty close. Uh, And we'll get into that. But yeah, he's a he's a cool guy in this book, Um, but also kind of really sad to read about. I every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, okay, he's he's going through it just a bit. (laughs) The main things that we can take away from Obi-Wan's character in Master and Apprentice are uh, his love for serving the light, uh, his stance on tradition within the Order, and the amount of self-doubt that he constantly feels. Um, I think my interpretation of Obi-Wan's character is very different than uh, what is usually shared by the majority of the fandom, and I can get into that in depth later. But for this particular novel, Obi-Wan is just not sad I don't want to say sad but he is an emotional teenager and like I was saying I think Claudia Gray does a very uh well at maintaining the balance between being a teenager in the Star Wars galaxy where things are constantly like in crisis and a lot of teenagers and young people are expected to uphold positions of power at a very young age uh and also just like being a teenager who has teenager problems you know Obi-Wan in this book is very much so like oh, my master, he doesn't really trust me and he doesn't really like me that much. And also I am uh, in the Jedi Order and I'm supposed to maintain peace. And also I joined the Jedi Order. <laughs> if I could talk, that would be so great today. Um, he was like, yeah, I joined the Jedi Order later in my life than most people do, uh, which is not very late. He, me- I mean, he was three years old which was actually younger than Ahsoka. So, and a lot younger than Anakin. Maybe we should just, okay. Anyways, just thinking about that for a minute. (laughs) But yeah, no, he joined later. uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, born on the planet Stujan to a family who I literally think about all the time. 
I'm already so off topic, but I literally think about his family all the time because I'm like, he was literally like leading the Clone Wars. And oh my gosh, we're not even supposed to be talking about the Clone Wars today, but he was leading the Clone Wars. Imagine being like, that's my son. That is my son. Anyways, this is not anywhere near what we're supposed to be talking about today, but like, and I know it's not canon anymore, but like the Revenge of the Sith novelization, like there's this whole part about how like everyone in the galaxy knows Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker and sees them as like, they're going to save us. And I'm like, what, a, like, what does Obi-Wan's parents think about this? They're like, damn, that's our kid who we haven't seen Literally. since he was three years old. Anyway, so much to think about. Every time I th- start thinking about like the families of people in the order and like, I know like this, again, this is so off topic, but like with like Dooku, we get to see sort of like, a situation in which someone from the Jedi Order like finds their family and it doesn't go well but that's also because he's Dooku so I'm like what if it was someone who's not him <laughs> who like wasn't like, gonna fuck it Obi-Wan, up. Obi-Wan yeah you know, like I feel like it st- definitely starts in this book and I do think that Master and Apprentice is a book that um is able to, to set up a pre-existing character pretty well um Claudia Gray does this with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan I think she does a good job at that but um you know we get to see like Obi-Wan is very good at letting things go and very good at uh being a Jedi and the the book opens up with the few first lines of the Jedi code uh which I thought was a good decision brilliant decision because that's really what this book is about I mean, if you can't already tell by the title, Master and Apprentice, it is about the Jedi before the Clone Wars um, in in a way that I think is interesting, especially after reading The High Republic, because this is, yes, the Jedi before the war, the before they were, you know, clouded by the dark side and by constantly being thrown into battle. Um, however, it is definitely not the best era of the galaxy. Uh, and before the High Republic, this was all we knew. This was, you know, what we knew of the Jedi. I think Dooku Jedi Lost is the farthest back before the High Republic, but the the galaxy's still in disarray. And we see that the mission that they're sent on, you know, that they're asked for um, to help on by Rail Avros is, uh, you know, um, it's. It, I mean, it is a coup and it turns out to be a coup, but they don't know that. Uh, it's just a... <laughs> um some kind of diplomatic mission and uh, I think that was really uh interesting to see Obi-Wan go on that because that is what he uh thrives on is diplomacy um and we know that already from pre-existing media but we see that he can do it from a very young age he is the negotiator oh my gosh if I start talking about the negotiator right now I'm gonna <laughs> become a problem so mm, I forgot what I was gonna say now I'm just thinking about real Avaros. I can't start talking about him because I could literally talk for a full hour. But, like, I do like how this book gives us um, both Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's, like, their thoughts. You were kind of talking about this, about how, like, one of the big things that Obi-Wan is dealing with in this book is that he, like, he perceives the way Qui-Gon treats him as, like, him not being good enough. And he's, like, I, like, he thinks that he's failing Qui-Gon. Um, which we like, we are getting Qui-Gon's perspective as well. So like we as a reader know that that's not the situation, but like it just keeps getting worse and worse because they like don't communicate well for the majority of the book. And like Qui-Gon gets invited to the council, but he doesn't tell Obi-Wan and then Obi-Wan finds out anyway. And he thinks that Qui-Gon is trying to leave him. And it's just like, all this stuff is going wrong and it's like snowballing and building up. But like, they're also in the middle of this mission 
that's also not going great. So they don't have time to talk about any of it until like very close to the end. But another thing that I think is interesting is that like Obi-Wan has problems with Qui-Gon because he thinks that Qui-Gon is like too rebellious. And I'm like, girl, you just wait till you meet Anakin Skywalker. But anyway, um, but it is really interesting girl, just because you, like- Just wait and see what you raise. <laughs> no, literally. I'm like, it's so interesting because Qui-Gon is like, ugh, Obi-Wan is so like, has to do everything that the council says. And I'm like, really? Like, are we talking just about say- the same person? Um, but like, because we obviously know like of Qui-Gon's character that he was very much like wanting to do his own thing. And that's why like, the invitation to join the council is shocking to everyone because he like that's never something that he would have wanted um and he like struggles with that decision a lot and a big part of that is because if he joins then Obi-Wan will have to get a new master and he knows how that's going to be perceived by Obi-Wan so they like they understand each other better than I think they believe they do early on in this apprenticeship but they just like never communicate that to each other until like near the end of this book when they're actually like, oh, and and Qui-Gon is like, I'm not like, I'm not disappointed in you. You're not doing things wrong. It's just like the way that their relationship functions at this point. Um, and so I think it was really interesting that, like I said, like we got to see both sides of that and not like completely limited to one or the other's perspective on it. So that like we as a reader can see we can see like what they need to do to work things out between them. It's just a matter of like the two of them coming to that realization themselves. And they obviously do because when we see them in the Phantom Menace, you would never know that there was a time when they didn't get along. This book really, really reinforced um, the idea that this, this lineage that Obi-Wan is a part of is the disaster lineage because it is really, really just doomed just from the start. I was watching a video earlier about Obi-Wan Kenobi in preparation for this um, podcast recording, and I only got about three minutes into it um, before I got really bored, but uh, there was one thing that the video said, and it was that because um, of the way that the Jedi find Padawans, find Force-sensitive younglings, is so, like, easy because if you're from, especially a, a system that's in the mid to inner rim, it's, like, they just take your blood at birth and count your midichlorians. And that's how it's stored in a holocron. Oh my God, fallen order moment. Anyways, this person in this video was like, yeah, it's really weird how he didn't get found until he was three years old. Maybe it was the force telling them something. And I was like, oh my God, so true. The force was like, please, please. I'm sorry that I gave this boy midichlorians. Don't take him, don't. (laughs) uh just imagine just imagine you know what though i'm glad that obi-wan kenobi became a jedi knight because he gave us so much um and by us i mean the bisexuals he gave the bisexuals everything uh anyways so off topic already but yeah in this book we get a we get a huge like diplomatic situation um and that's really interesting i think that that is something that uh star wars when it does 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 really well uh I think that it explores kind of where the galaxy is at at this point and we can already see like I was saying earlier like the cracks in how people view the Jedi um and this is very important to Obi-Wan's character because you know 
he very much so believes in the Jedi Order. And as we were saying earlier, he's very uh, adhering to the code and to what the council says, um, which obviously that changes later through his life experiences. Um, but it's always this, uh, he really understands that the Jedi are meant to protect people and that they're meant to protect the light in the galaxy. Uh, and that's something that he never loses throughout his entire life. Uh, it's literally the entire premise of the Skywalker saga is that there is hope and he really like upholds that. Um, and he's an integral character into the, in the larger narrative, obviously. And, uh, so yeah, getting to see that in this novel, um, getting to see that how it was built and where it came from is very interesting. And I think that continuing on, um, it's really how he kind of views Qui-Gon at first. Uh, is because he's like, wow, my master doesn't uh, doesn't follow the rules. That must mean that he doesn't f- believe in the Jedi and doesn't follow the light. And obviously he doesn't say those words. I'm paraphrasing the book. But um, and then he realizes, oh, wait, maybe there are maybe there is a way. Maybe there is more than one way to serve uh, the light. And it doesn't have to be a, something that the council tells you to do. It's just something that you believe in. Uh, because you know what's right. You know that you are uh, a part of the force for a reason. Um, and that was really nice to read about. It's giving Stellan Geos, but I'm not going to. Claire, can you start talking, please? So I don't start talking about Stellan Geos. Um, you were talking about how like we get flashbacks to Dooku in this book and like some of Qui-Gon's training. And this is something that, again, like we knew from the Phantom Menace, but like we really see it in Master and Apprentice, which is how how deeply Qui-Gon believes in like Jedi prophecies um which is another reason why like a lot of the council members and even like Obi-Wan at times are like "Mm, maybe he's not like maybe he doesn't actually believe in the Jedi like you were saying or like maybe he's just trying to like be rebellious because like mm, following these prophecies like to the letter is actually not maybe the best idea um but then they find themselves like in something that was prophesized. I don't know if Qui-Gon has like a vision or like finds some like Jedi prophesized something of like the whole situation at the end with the crowning and everything that happened there. Um, But I do know that like, he's like, no, this prophecy, like blah, 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 blah. And Obi-Wan is like, okay, um, whatever you say, master. And then like, basically the council like appoints Obi-Wan to not replace Qui-Gon but like oversee the signing of this treaty that's like the whole point of why they're on this planet um and this is just another situation where Qui-Gon is like wow now I'm feeling kind of betrayed because you went behind my back and you don't believe me and you kind of think I'm crazy um turns out Qui-Gon was right but it is very interesting because Obi-Wan really is just like I want to follow the rules I want to be like the perfect Jedi But in doing that, he wants to be, like, the perfect Jedi in the eyes of the Jedi Council, which, like, we know from watching the prequels and the Clone Wars and everything that that's not necessarily what being a Jedi actually should be. And, like, obviously Obi-Wan learns that as he goes along because we see how he turns out. But, like, at this point in time, his goal really is, like, to impress the Council and to try to impress his master but he's feeling like that's becoming more and more impossible but this idea of like jedi prophecies and them clashing over it and also seeing how like 
Dooku kind of ingrained that in Qui-Gon and how like Rail Avaros has his own point of view on it because he was also Dooku's Padawan. It's like, it's really interesting, especially when we know going forward that they literally find the chosen one. And it is a thing in Phantom Menace too, where like Qui-Gon is like, oh my God, this is a chosen one. And like this prophecy said this and Obi-Wan's like, okay, but like, should we really be listening to this? And Qui-Gon's like, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Terrible news. But, you know, it is like an interesting like thing that they never fully end up agreeing on, even though they like get past a lot of their issues as Master and Apprentice. That is one thing that they still definitely disagree on up until the very end. But obviously, I am skipping far ahead here, but it's fine. Qui-Gon dies and his like dying wish is for Obi-Wan to train Anakin. So he does, even if he doesn't fully believe in these prophecies or think that they should be listening to them. Um, maybe they shouldn't be listening to them, is what we have gathered. But it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You just, you know, ended the entire Jedi Order. It's it's totally okay. Uh, you were like, bring balance to the Force. That you sounds mean great. all the Jedi? <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not. Like, this, like, guys, this these Jedi prophecies... Like these, this language is very vague. Maybe we should think. There's I'm so just much thinking about I... Ross and Obi Wan Kenobi and interesting parallels there. Anyway, continue. I just thought of something. Oh my gosh! I don't, okay. So remember how we were like, yeah, we're gonna do this in chronological order. I already know that's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, there's a part in this book where uh, Obi. I think it is in Obi Wan's perspective. It might be in Qui Gon's, but someone's talking about Rail Avaros and is like, oh yeah his Padawan died and then he was never okay again. And then, <laughs> and then um, you're just thinking like, oh, okay. That's so upsetting. And then later in this book, um, Obi-Wan almost dies in front of Qui-Gon. And that is really when Qui-Gon realizes that he like is so cares about his Padawan like to on such a deep level. And then so there was that kind of parallel and then you also think you know that obi-wan also lost his padawan um when not that he was uh, anakin was a padawan when he was quote-unquote killed by obi-wan uh, however um it is just something that you know i was like okay don't don't do this to me actually when reading this book yeah real avaros is such a like deeply fucked up guy and you just like don't yeah. see him again and I'm like is he okay like I'm really concerned about him actually like I think I need to know what happened to him after this book because like literally his whole like character arc in this book is that he lost his first pa- mm, he he had to kill his first padawan so it's not even just like she died and then he like latches on to Fanry to like not replace her but like it's just sort of fill in like how messed up he is and then she betrays him and he's like I don't actually care about you and then we just like don't hear from him again and I'm like is is he okay like I'm so worried about him anyway I think the characters that you decide to look on to (laughs) are very interesting okay listen Mm -hmm. I'm listening I'm not gonna continue talking about real Everos Okay. But I would like to see him again. He reminds me a lot of Elzar Man. That's all I'm just Listen. saying. I, I just think he reminds me a lot of Elzar Man. 
yeah <laughs> no comment but like you're okay. right but like <laughs> I feel like if they had lived at the same time like people would have died well people well, did die at both times that they lived but if they had both lived at the same time it would have been worse <laughs> I think that if if they had lived if Real Alvarez existed during the High Republic era we would not have a Skywalker saga, not only because it wouldn't work like that, but also because literally the entire galaxy would be in shambles. Um, the whole Jedi Order would have just passed away. But like, they all did kind of pass away, but like 200 years earlier. No, no, actually, I disagree. I'm taking back my previous statement. I think that Raylan and uh, Elzar existed at the same time during the High Republic era, the entire Jedi Order would have been reformed. And they would I, have been like, we can't, we clearly we have been making mistakes along the way. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, hmm, maybe these guys are onto something, actually. Maybe we <laughs> Stell and Geos, if you had to deal with Elzar Man and Real Avaros, I'm so sorry, King. <laughs> I actually think that they would be a power thruple. You're right. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, but like points of view. and Geos would have died. Stellangius <laughs> well, uh, you know, actually, I think we're gonna record. Thank you for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions podcast. You can find us on Instagram and on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, no, but no, Stellan Geos. Stellan Geos would have hated Real Everos because like the only reason he put up with Elzar is because they'd known each other since they were like young children. So he didn't really have a choice. But if he'd met Elzar when they were like full adults, he would have just turned around and walked away. That's I do so believe true. that. <laughs> I like I love you, Elzar. I really do. But like if I met you, I would run in the other direction. <laughs> Anyways, back to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know everyone jokes about Obi-Wan being like like sitting in the archives at late at night and reading about Stellan Geos, but it's actually so true um, because he just loves the Jedi, which makes his story all the more sad, right? It's because he is, in a way, responsible for... Uh, he. I don't want to say he's responsible for killing the Jedi, because he's not, but he definitely plays a hand in, you know, Order 66 uh, in ways. Um, he also... I shouldn't have brought it up because now I'm thinking about um, that scene where he is shot down by his boyfriend. Anyways, oh my gosh, actually, I can tie it into our conversation about Master and Apprentice because the, what are they called? What are those things called that he rides on? You know what I'm talking about. I'm a fake fan. He literally, they literally have a race in this book on those lizard things. Oh, oh my God. Now I know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know, but I did freak out when I first read this book because I was like, that's that like, guy. Anyway. Um, I don't even remember what I was saying. So I was talking about Stellan Geos and that was a mistake because now I don't know. We started talking about the High Republic and yeah, immediately yeah. got derailed. All I remember is that the amount of times I've said all I remember. Okay. <laughs> all I remember though is actually that Qui-Gon says like literally my favorite line ever like the line about how like I don't turn towards the light because I'll like win some game I turn toward it because it is the light I love that line because that's Obi-Wan's whole thing he's not like oh I'm a Jedi because I'm like because it's like the best thing to be or because it makes me like better than everyone else but because like following the light is the right thing to do and it is like the most true I can be to myself and it just and so terribly for him and that really sucks for him and I feel sad about it all the time also another thing about this book 
that's like unrelated but i just thought of it obi-wan is very relatable like obi-wan is a more relatable character just like in general but like specifically in this book he's just some teenager who like is scared that he's bad at everything and i'm like he's just like me for real like that is very relatable um because like you were saying he's just written well as someone who's like a teenager but also dealing with everything like he's written very realistically i think for someone if they were to be in that position he is very relatable i think that he also is just like i don't know i feel like obi-wan is a very um good character for the jedi for star wars in general because he's not like you were saying he's not like i'm a jedi to be the best um he's kind of just like there and he is a jedi but he's also like always is questioning why and he's always questioning what really is you know the best way for things to go and yes he is influenced a lot by like the council um but i feel like a lot of people um in this fandom think that obi-wan is like the council's bitch and i'm like that's just not true like at all we see him very many times defy the jedi council so maybe in this book yeah he is maybe in this book he kind of is like "Mm, i'm gonna do everything council says however um that that's called character development and uh he obviously grows out of that because of his master and because of you know what he learns from him I just think that their master and apprentice relationship is really interesting. I feel like also part of that is that like a lot of people are like, oh, Anakin's the rebellious one. And like Anakin defies the council all the time in like self-destructive and or just like destructive ways. But Obi-Wan also defies the council a decent amount. But it's like not to be like it's for the greater good. But like it usually is because he is doing what he feels is right and like just wants to help people whereas when Anakin does it it's because he is just like I'm gonna do whatever I want because I'm anyway when Kenobi comes out I'm literally not gonna be able to form sentences on this podcast no No. okay we can actually go off of that so (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) um so when the Kenobi show comes out if I don't hear Qui-Gon Jinn's voice I'm going to get up there and I'm going to slap somebody because especially after this book um we know how important Qui-Gon was to Obi-Wan not just because they're master and apprentice and because Obi-Wan's like father figure is Qui-Gon but also because Qui-Gon is such an important role in his life in the in the sense of how he does everything that he does it's also like Qui-Gon is like one of the because we know that the Kenobi series is going to focus a lot on like Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship and like how Anakin's betrayal actually affected Obi-Wan because like it seems like a big thing but when you think about it we haven't really seen a lot of that because when we see Obi-Wan again I mean we see him like briefly in Rebels but like when we see him again in A New Hope he's kind of just like he's very different which is obviously the point of this series is to kind of bridge that gap but we haven't seen a lot of like the fallout of Anakin's turn on Obi-Wan and they were closer than anyone. Um, but also Qui-Gon is obviously the reason that they are so close because he was the one who insisted they take Anakin and that Obi-Wan train Anakin. And Qui-Gon is just like a connecting like person between the two of them. Like they both had very strong relationships with Qui-Gon. Even Anakin like who didn't know him for that long still feels a lot of attachment to him like we even see in the um 
the mortis arc of the clone wars i think it is anakin like talks to qui-gon and we saw a little bit of it in queen's hope of like how the impact that qui-gon still has on anakin's life despite having been gone for so long and obviously obi-wan is much the same way so i feel like having qui-gon there in the kenobi series when we're kind of forming like this new dynamic between obi-wan and anakin now that he has turned qui-gon can be like an important force in kind of like connecting them almost even though they can't like be in the same place i'm just thinking about kenobi now i shouldn't have brought it up my unpopular opinion of the week is that i don't really like qui-gon damn (laughs) wow i've never gotten that look from you ever in my life that was i don't believe that actually but okay (laughs) because because usually i agree with your unpopular opinions but but not this time but that's why it's an unpopular opinion i know but like i also have a lot of unpopular opinions yeah i probably don't agree with all of you yeah i definitely don't um give me one right now cancel yourself this is my unpopular high republic opinion Mm, this might get me canceled okay i don't let me just preface this by saying i don't dislike her i love her love her however like not even in my like top 20 probably is Vern. Like, I do love her, but, like, genuinely compared to, like, so many other characters, I'm, like, wow. okay. <laughs> this okay. is so Literally every single other person is, like, Vern is, like, my favorite character, or she's in, like, my top, and I'm, like, yeah, me too. I just found a line that says, Dooku taught us caution, Qui-Gon said. Well, he tried to. <laughs> that made Rail laugh. First, he taught us to trust our instincts, so that's what I do. Really. Hmm. <laughs> Let's think about there. <laughs> How um, old was that girl, Princess Fanry? Fourteen. Fourteen. Like yep. Like she was definitely a girl boss for only being fourteen, but she just like had it all wrong. I just don't also she even... like gaslit everyone, and I was like, what? Like literally like, everyone. Age remember when she was? <laughs> remember when she was like, oh my god, Obi Wan, will you show me your lightsaber? <laughs> oh my god, Nan moment. No, because they do kind of have some similarities. I'm not going to lie. Okay, is Nan and Fanry and Wraith and Obi-Wan? I mean, Qui-Gon is Komek. Yeah. Wait, I, okay. They're literally the same no, literally they are. Wait, no, wait. That means that Orla Duretti is real ever. <laughs> you're so, you're so, no. Wait, yes. Or is, or is Des Rydan real Everest? he just goes away at the end and we never hear yes. him again <laughs> and you're like you need to be in therapy he's like no i'm taking a spa trip <laughs> maybe maybe that's what happened to be- real avros maybe he also went on like a 20-year meditation ret- retreat that he like never returned from and i just say not to talk about real avros again but like i was going through the wikipedia pages for the master and apprentice characters so i could remember them um, and I was on his, and the quote under personality and traits is like the quote about him getting laid. And I was like, please stop this. <laughs> this is, he is, when he was like, the Jedi Council said I'm not allowed to fall in love, but like they did say I couldn't get laid. Anyway, so Obi Wan Kenobi, what a guy. Master of Brenda's a novel. Anyway, um, The Phantom Menace, what a great time. How old is Obi Wan? Like 20, 24? 25. 25. And he's, he's still, a he's still a Padawan. Yeah. You know what though? I don't blame him. I think that if um if my master was Qui-Gon Jinn, I would also stay a Padawan until I was 25. 
because I would have no idea what I was doing. Um, not because I think Qui-Gon's a bad Jedi. I don't. I just think that it must be very, very confusing to hear one thing from your entire order and another thing from your master. Um, that would, yeah. You know what, though? Mm, I was going to bring up Bells at a far, and now I'm not going to. So POV belt. No, I'm not gonna say that. I was gonna say POV belt also doesn't get knighted till age 25, but they wouldn't do that to us, right? Right? Anyway, um, the Phantom Menace. Yeah, Obi Wan is still a Padawan, he's 25 years old. He definitely like should have been knighted already, but whatever. Um, also, this is where it overlaps a bit with Queen's Peril. Obi Wan wasn't in that book that much, but like still iconic of him. Um, any Obi-Wan appearance anywhere makes me very happy. So I loved it. Um, but this is when they go to Tatooine kind of unintentionally. They kind of get stranded there. Um, and then they meet Anakin Skywalker, who's nine years old and has a lot of midi chlorians. Um, and then Qui-Gon is like, he's the chosen one. Oh my God. So true of him. I'm gonna like have him as my new apprentice, even though the council obviously doesn't want me to do that. And Obi-Wan is like, mm maybe we should think about this. He's nine years old. Like he's a little old to be joining the Jedi Order. And by a little old, I mean like a lot old because they're supposed to join when they're like two. But Qui-Gon decides that they're going to take him anyway because that's who Qui-Gon is. And he just kind of does things that he thinks are right. Um, And then he passes away. But that's at the end of the film. So we're not there yet. And I also don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I think that in the beginning of... um. The Phantom Menace, you know, as you're watching it, if you haven't read any of the books, uh, which most people haven't, um, you, you're you kind of like, who are these guys? Oh my gosh, this is what the Jedi Order was, you know, because all you knew of the Jedi Order before was like Luke Skywalker and like really old Obi-Wan Kenobi. So then you get to see what the Jedi actually were, right? And then it's literally this guy played by Liam Neeson and this kid uh, who's not actually a kid who's 25 I thought he was so much younger than I was watching it um but no he's not he's actually 25 years old and a Padawan um and it's you know interesting to see where the where the Jedi Order was um at this time of course we've already been talking about how like how the Jedi Order reacted to certain things, especially certain things that Qui-Gon believed in. Um, but I think that this uh, movie in particular, Obi-Wan's time on Tatooine, I think he, <laughs> it was an interesting decision for them to be like, here, let's put Obi-Wan on Tatooine and then have him stay in the ship for most of the time. <laughs> because he has no idea what how Anakin even like came to be with Qui-Gon like they don't know he doesn't know um and then all of a sudden he like shows up on the ship and he's like hi I'm Obi-Wan and Anakin's like hi I'm Anakin and then they <laughs> don't laugh at me that was a perfect Anakin Skywalker impression okay <laughs> that's not even the impression of him at age nine that's the impression of him like the entirety of his life anyway I'm gonna be quiet now <laughs> And so, um, but you know, <laughs> that's literally how the relationship starts. He has no idea who this kid is, but it's, uh, except for that he was a slave on Tatooine and now he is with, um, Qui-Gon, who is his master, who is like, yeah, I want this kid as my apprentice now. 
and and Obi-Wan's like um okay but like I'm your apprentice (laughs) but it's fine because I really want to be a knight right now so I'll just you can take the kid I will be a knight um and it's really sad that he became a Jedi knight literally to be uh Anakin's uh master because Qui-Gon did die in a passion so um yeah that's the start of uh Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship basically uh explained by me Sage who (laughs) watched the Phantom Menace twice and (laughs) read this book a million years ago uh so yeah I think that you know what an interesting start to a series of unfortunate events that occurs within the next mm, 45 to 50 years after that it just keeps snowballing even after like they're both dead after Anakin and Obi-Wan are both dead the repercussions of their actions so interesting I also think like a lot of times I'll see people like on social media being like oh my god Star Wars what if series where like what if Qui-Gon lived and had trained Anakin and then like he wouldn't have turned to the dark side and I'm like nobody still would have like that's the whole point um Mm -hmm. because first of all that implies that it is obi-wan's fault which i'm like "Mm, let's not like yeah like let yeah let's just not um because like i and i there are genuinely people who are like yeah obi-wan is like to blame for anakin falling to the dark side and i'm like okay i feel like not to be like you interpreted this wrong but like you did interpret like maybe you did that's (laughs) like I'm like that's not even just like my opinion that's just like the whole point of the prequels and the Clone Wars like as a whole um but I do think again I'm so sorry I'm starting to talk about Kenobi again but it, it will definitely be interesting to see like um how like how much blame Obi-Wan places on himself because like just as a result of like who he is and just like how people in general function and how he functions like he would place a lot of blame on himself and being like I could have stopped this blah 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 even if it's not true and so I do think it'll be interesting to see like a more immediate aftermath than we see in A New Hope and obviously like there's still going to be time that has passed so it's not like directly afterwards but just like everything that Anakin now as Darth Vader does Obi-Wan is going to feel partially responsible for and that really hurts and I hate thinking about that actually um but yeah this all comes back to like when people say that if Qui-Gon had lived Anakin wouldn't have turned and I'm like I don't believe that at all because like it didn't it didn't really matter who his master was it mattered that like Palpatine was manipulating things from the beginning and also just like who Anakin was as a person and like the circumstances of his life that had nothing to do with and or with Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon right and I think about um Obi-Wan's role in all of this all of this mess uh and he really is just like thrown into it like he was not a part of a prophecy he was not you know somebody who even tried to be a a hero or anything he really just wanted to serve the light as he did and as he was thought he was meant to um and he kind of just like witnessed everything happen and that's why his character is such a phenomenal way to connect the eras of this uh franchise is because he truly 
witnessed the start of it. You know, he was the first person in a thousand years to kill a Sith Lord. Um, and when you like think about that, it's all the more tragic because, you know, he didn't actually kill that Sith Lord, um, <laughs> but he thought he did. Uh, and then that Sith Lord destroyed so much of his life. Um, but besides the point and way too much in the future, but we'll be talking about that next week. Anyways, um, he, you know, he is kind of this character who just like has seen everything happen and who didn't ask for any of it. And as all this horrible things keep happening to him, he's just kind of like, okay, but I have to keep serving the light. And, um, there's that one line in the Clone Wars, which is so far ahead, but, you know, he's just kind of like, it is, it is, uh, it takes so much strength to keep the light and or something like that. He says it after Satine dies, but it's whatever. Um, you know, you can see that even in the Phantom Menace, he literally watches his master die and we know how close they are. You can even tell like if you're just watching this movie, how, how much they respect each other and how deep their relationship goes and any master and apprentice relationship is going to be like that. Right. So he, um, watches him get killed by this sith lord who he didn't even know existed he didn't even know a sith could exist it wasn't a possibility and then immediately fights maul and wins and uh he wins with like basically his brain like he really thinks through like maul is arguably a more powerful force user than obi-wan is at the time and um but, you know, Obi-Wan just uses everything else because he knows that he isn't the strongest dueler. He knows that the, he isn't the strongest Jedi and he's totally OK with that. And that is where him and Anakin differ. Obviously, Anakin has always since he was a literal nine year old, wanted more power and wanted to be the most powerful person. Um, and that's, you know, because of his upbringing as somebody who had no power and had to deal with the 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 consequences of that um whereas obi-wan is someone who was raised as somebody who uh in a in a culture who sh that shares the power and uses that for um good and doesn't possess it you know and so he watches his master die he takes the life of maul not out of vengeance but literally just because he would have been killed too um, and he knew that Obi or that Qui-Gon needed someone to take care of Anakin. Uh, and so those are Qui-Gon's last words to, to Obi-Wan actually is like, go be, go be Anakin's master, please. <laughs> hey, dude, that'd be really cool. Anyways, so sad because why imagine? Okay, I'm so sorry. Interlude here. Imagine you have this like father figure in your life who you care for so deeply and he's literally dying in your arms and he's like, go take care of this other, of this other oh, kid. But I think I about this all the time when Qui-Gon like brings Anakin back to the ship and is like, hey, this is like Anakin. He's going to become my new apprentice. And Obi-Wan's like, what about me? And he's like, you're ready to be knighted, which like he is ready to be knighted. And I do believe like he would have been knighted around that time anyway. But like, imagine it being like, yeah, yeah, you can go get knighted so I can like have a new student is how it kind of comes off. And like, they've been down this road before, like Obi-Wan literally like 
like in Master and Apprentice is like, oh, Qui-Gon just wants to get rid of me so he can like have an apprentice who's better or so he can like be on the Jedi Council and do things that are more important than training me because he thinks that he's just like a screw up and that's why he's not advancing the way he should be. And so we know that that is like a deep rooted fear of his. So at like the end of their relationship, because Qui-Gon literally dies, him being like, yeah, yeah, go get knighted. I have a new student now. Imagine just imagine and and then yeah it's made like a hundred times worse by the fact that he dies and his dying wish is for you to train this other kid and Obi-Wan like Obi-Wan is kind of like like he does it obviously because he loves Qui-Gon and like he wants to do that for him but like he has he's literally just getting knighted then because of all this and he's like I don't really even want to train this kid like I don't think it's a good idea but you know it was literally my master's dying wish and even like the council and like specifically I think it's Yoda that he talks to he's like yeah Yoda like I'm gonna train Anakin because Qui-Gon wanted it and Yoda's like "Mm, this is the greatest idea and Obi-Wan's like yeah I know but like what am I gonna do (laughs) Yoda specifically makes that like that noise (laughs) I don't know but it's like I not I don't want to do it. Yeah. Obi Wan literally goes, I'm going to train Anakin because Obi because Qui-Gon died, and that's literally what I need to do. And Yoda goes, and you're just like, it was I'm like so Drew Besty. Yeah. He's just like, why? Like, no. I don't want to take this to like I know your master literally died but like you don't have to do this and Obi-Wan's like but I do because that's who Obi-Wan is as a person and like he does do it for Qui-Gon and obviously like he does love Anakin and like it's complicated because I'm like obviously things don't turn out well but I don't think that Obi-Wan would ever be like yeah I regret taking Anakin as my apprentice because like he really does love him and they are so close and like I think this is a quote from the Revenge of the Sith novelization so again I'm skipping ahead but um it might not even be from there but I think it is about how like even though Obi-Wan was um like a good deal older they like became adults together essentially like they grew up together and like became the people that they are for better or worse like with each other and so like Obi-Wan literally in many ways good or bad like would not be the person that he is if he hadn't taken on Anakin as his apprentice um but he still obviously like didn't want to in the beginning and like saw that it was a bad idea correctly so he was like hey this prophecy like mm, like maybe we shouldn't be listening to this actually um but Qui-Gon did pass away so I guess it's just a lot it's just like a lot anyways upcoming Obi-Wan content um we have the Brotherhood novel that is coming out I believe next month yeah Uh, May 10th I think yeah that's gonna be fun that's about uh Obi-Wan and Anakin during the Clone Wars Asajj Ventress who we talked about on Girl Boss of the Week last week isn't it love her to death um and then we have the Padawan novel coming out in July so excited that's a young adult (laughs) novel it's going to be about uh it's going to be prior to Master and Apprentice I believe and yeah um and uh, Obi-Wan just kind of 
leaves for a minute. Um, so excited for that one. Um, then we have obviously the Kenobi series, which is why we are doing this, <laughs> this little series. Um, it's coming out in May, end of May, May 27th. And um, and then we have the Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi comic series, which there was a little variant cover released uh, last week with with Commander Cody, my beloved. Maybe we should do an entire episode about Commander Cody because I know everything about him. Um, anyways, so yeah, those are some upcoming things uh, about Obi-Wan that are coming up. Super excited for that. Uh, lots of content with him coming up, um, which is awesome. I do love that. I do, however, think that there's like too much. Like, is there too much? Because I, I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, I don't need to know every single thing about a character. Just like I don't need to know every single thing about people in real life. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Obi Wan content. Um, a lot of his legends, though. So I understand why they're like rebuilding a lot of his character in canon. But I'm like, "Hmm, okay. I'm excited for the Padawan novel, though. We need that, and. I need us. I need to know what happened on Mandalore. Um, I know that's not yeah. going to be in that novel in particular, but that is a novel I actually do need. So, I agree. I did like we just got a new excerpt from Brotherhood today, and first of all, Dex was there. I love like Twitter's obsession with him. Like it's just very fun. He's just one of those guys that everyone like latched onto as they should. Um, but he does mention Satine and he does mention Satine calling Obi-Wan Ben and I was like so true I love them but yeah I do need Obi-Wan and Satine on Mandalore novel comic series movie trilogy whatever they feel is appropriate yes true (laughs) that's our pitch for the week (laughs) Master Yoda I gave Qui-Gon my word I will train Anakin Without the approval of the council, if I must. Qui-Gon's defiance, I sense in you. Need that you do not. Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. Next week on our Countdown to the Kenobi series, we are going to be covering Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars. So send us any questions you want us to answer for those. Also, if you just have any questions about Obi-Wan in general, the Kenobi series, anything like that, send them our way. Uh, Once again, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode.